Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Six savage seasons all in a row. Six scary seasons for the beast to grow. Six wicked seasons to keep you up all night. Six nasty reasons for your wicked delight. Six wicked seasons that you thought was scary. Wait till season seven of the Wicked Library. <laughs> September 2016. Visit thewickedlibrary.com. From Society 13, redefining podcasts. <laughs> to this podcast. Be aware, this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humor at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Hey everybody, it's John here from Red Horse Radio. Join me over at the Night Story Podcast. I'm hanging out with Victoria. We like to giggle and ride elevators and stuff. And of course, tell stories. You listen to the Night Story Podcast. <laughs> Everything eventually comes down to a choice. In such a big world, so many choices. Here, in this little lost place, things are simpler. You'll find it because you are meant to. And inside, you'll find my lift and me. I'll take you where you need to go, and then you choose. Once you do, things will get much better, or much worse. (laughs) Find the lift at victoriouslift.com. And also in iTunes at itunes.victoriouslift.com. The reality of story shapes thoughts. Once upon a time, once upon a time, come along as we examine the many things that combine to create the magic that is story. Next stop, the ninth story. So, welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. Our guests today are Jacob and Sam from Just the Story Podcast. And for those who are uninitiated and haven't heard the show, what is Just the Story all about? Well, 
Uh, I'll start with the tagline. Each week, we take a look at the stories we tell over and over again and what our fears and fables, myths and misdeeds say about us as humans. Uh, It's a conversation discussion show that we started to talk about urban legends. Yeah, Yeah. we use the urban legends really as like a jumping off point to talk about all sorts of things. That's awesome. It's it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's it's really interesting the the common legends that we've developed recently. Um and, and it, it just really speaks to us as being story machines because, you know, if you look at folk tales and folklore and tall tales and we always tell stories and, and we're always updating them, but there's always that common element where it's kind of like a warning aspect, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. A lot of them are cautionary tales. And it's interesting to look at some that have kind of fallen out of fashion. Like uh, we did the Avon lady story a while back mm-hmm. and it was almost warning women not to go into the workplace, you know, like not to leave home yeah. and uh, that they needed to stay home and be domestic or bad things would, you know, don't trust those women kind of thing. <laughs> right. um, so you know, those are like neat little artifacts. And then you have some that are thoroughly modern that are kind of more internet age um, that really speak to what's going on in the collective unconscious now. Yeah. And so it's fun to kind of set those against each other. Do you have a favorite story that you've done recently? Um, I really like stories like the Avon lady where it's like a really stupid legend and yeah. we're able to find, um, very modern commentary and look at it in a really different way. Like when I'm kind of surprised how all the episodes come out, like when I think, Oh, what are we ever going to do with this? And then we end up going into like uh, bathroom rights issues and gender identity, you know, yeah. at the end of the episode. Um, I really, I really like when we just did, and I was just so excited about the response. Cause almost sometimes we do ones, we know, we know people are going to love this. They're going to be interested. And sometimes we do stuff. Where we're like, oh, this is super interesting. We have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And one uh, that we recently did was about Kitty Genovese. Oh, uh, yeah. Which if you, yeah, if you've taken a Psych 101 class, you've heard about it. It's the classic story um, about bystander apathy where a young girl was supposedly killed uh, in New York in the 60s and no one helped her. No one came out and there were 38 or so witnesses and no one helped Mm -hmm. and we really dug into the history behind that story and what it kind of means about us as a society because the idea of these 38 people that just didn't help is completely not true right and it was a story that was created at that time and has become almost legend and is in every psych textbook it's reported mm-hmm. as fact to this day, which is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, the last episode of Seinfeld was kind of loosely based on that. Right. Yes. And Princess Diana, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try to make as many Seinfeld references as possible. Yeah, it's our goal. <laughs> we, we try to do a Seinfeld reference, mention Freud, the DSM, and Texas in every episode. And if we can do that, we like get an extra glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. So where did this, where did the title for the show come from? I mean, it's, it's, I see it as, as two different meanings, but I'll let you. Well, we love the way that people will kind of correct you when you tell it, like when you're reporting an urban legend, it's fact, they're like, no, 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 that's just a story. Mm-hmm. And um, then it's also like the starting off point, like, well, it's just a story. And then 
we dig into it and there's a lot more to it than just the the text of the story. Mm-hmm. It works on a lot of levels, which is like exciting to me. <laughs> I like when I twist it and look at it differently. Yeah. I always like it whenever something has multiple layers to it, you know, cause there's, there's also the, the kind of sarcastic factor to that as well, which is nothing is just a story. There's always so much more to it. And it means so much more because we, like you said, we, we bind ourselves in our culture and it really tells a lot about who we are and where we are and, and why we are the way we are. No, definitely. The, that's kind of our whole goal really is to just dig into it and look at that. Why are we telling this? Why is this stuck around for 70 years? Why are people still telling the story about the crazed person with the hook coming and trying to kill people <laughs> that are making out or whatever in the back of a car? Yeah. You know, why is that still being told? Because no one's actually, well, I guess some people might be, but people aren't really driving up to Lover's Lane, you know? I grew up in the yeah. country. That was the thing. Fine. <laughs> so people are still doing it. Yeah. I um that one is a, a fascinating legend because uh I don't know if I'm sure. Have you done that as an episode? Because now I need to listen to it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, episode seven. Hooking up. And episode yeah, seven. it's it's one of oh, my favorite great. early ones. And yeah, and because that one actually kind of happened. Oh. So I was really excited when I left suddenly that you were talking about the monster Florence because I recently read the book, the monster Florence, and it's I'm very excited that that connects. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The last words that I heard were, it actually kind of happened. And I was like, oh no, yeah. that was fascinating. <laughs> it's always the worst oh, spot. You didn't hear either. <laughs> no, I did not. So well, there, well, so first, story. yeah, yeah, well. First, there are some murders that happen in Texarkana in the 50s. The Moonlight Murders. Uh, They called the guy that that committed those the Phantom Killer. And he wore like a white bag over his head and had like a super creepy plain mask thing and would go and kill people on Lover's Lanes. And then, but he didn't have a hook, alas. Um, And then there was the Monster of Florence, which was in Florence. And Mm -hmm. it was... um, Ne- the guy's never been caught. It, it was took, Lover's Lane. It was killings. Lover's Lane's killings. It took place over a span of like 15 years or so. And he's still out there. Yeah. And eventually <laughs> the Italian government decided it was like related to occult practices and crazy monks and stuff because they're Italian and that's what they do. Oh, wow. And it was super fun <laughs> and entertaining. <laughs> so I recommend really the book. That's fantastic. And it's actually um, the uh, Monster Florence. Uh, trial was actually what Hannibal was based off of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah the scene, the scenes in I think it's Red Dragon. That's kind of why it's like in Italy. Okay. Yeah, okay. all makes sense. Yeah, where he's stalking me as the harpy. Yeah, the curved knife, <laughs> and they eat, then he eats the brain. Yeah, that's the creepiest <laughs> scene. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we do sometimes do movies too. That have nice. kind of developed legends and use those as jumping off points, uh, like we did Amityville Horror. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Incredibly fun to research. And uh, The Exorcist is one of my favorite movie ones, where we looked into the like science behind demonic possession and uh, what psychology thinks about it, and the different brain res- like research, neuro research into like how people use um, 
something called the God helmet to induce these kind of visions of God and things like that. Yeah. Um, and that was a super fun one. And I love doing the Hitchcock research because I love Alfred Hitchcock probably more than about anybody. <laughs> and, um, we did a psycho episode and that was so much fun. I got to spend a week listening to old, like newsreels and press releases from him. Um, and just like fully saturating myself in his, his brand of like, dignified horror yeah which i mean if there's nothing better than that i don't think and then we did an indiana jones episode recently which was also really fun research although if the nsa hadn't flagged me before which seems impossible i know i have been now because i've been researching (laughs) nazis like crazy so (laughs) i'm done oh that's awesome yeah (laughs) yeah never mess with the with the browser history of a writer because uh it always looks all of the scary things exactly (laughs) I saw a great McSweeney's once and it was just a girl listing her browsing history. And it was like all this weird research for books she was writing. And it was like my ex-boyfriend, my (laughs) ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend I found on Facebook, my (laughs) ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend I found on Facebook again, a little too much and like things like that. It was was really funny. That's tremendous. So you guys are horror fans, I would assume. Yes, definitely. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the um, you did the uh, the black eyed kids and uh, in your recent was that was called Suffer the Little Children, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we try um, to come up with the catchiest titles possible. Yeah. It's it's so funny. I love the you know the extra effort that goes into coming up with a great title for it. But uh, it, re- I mean, that was always one of the modern ones that I found very interesting because it has so many of those old fairy tale and vampire elements to it. You know, like you can't they can't get in unless you invite them in. Which you know applies to fairy and it applies to uh, vampires and lots of other things. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. you have to open yourself up to that uh, in order to to get the bad juju coming at you. Um, but it's someone's really honed in on how to make that even creepier and even harder to resist by making it a child, right? Yeah. Taking that yeah. scary innocence of children and then giving them those powers to kind yeah. of put you in that daze like vampires do and kind of trick you into letting them in. Yeah, it's a great legend. Somebody like if if someone consciously sat down and came up with it, I'm impressed because it is <laughs> yeah. it's on a lot of things. Um, we could have recorded that for about seven hours like that. We had so much research. Yeah, it's a great topic. I mean, that's and you're right. That's one of the things that I've always been the most creeped out by. And, and maybe that starts with The Shining and, uh, you know, like the early that is night. my ultimate favorite. Part. <laughs> Best yeah, ever. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, the, the two little girls at the end of the I mean, that always freaked me out because mm-hmm. my name's. <laughs> when I was a kid, everybody called me Danny. So, you know, when it, to me, they were talking right to me and that always terrified me. Did you have a big wheel? I did have a big wheel. I did. Uh-oh. I did oh, not have play. a green machine, but I had a big wheel. Oh, close. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it's, it's where, you know, when I started doing the ninth story, I, I wanted kind of like a mascot and Victoria who started out kind of as this, this ethereal voice and has become a lot more, came from that um, largely inspired by the way that I was creeped out by the shining. And there's just always something about you expect kids to be innocent and pure. And when they're not, it's just like even more terrifying. There's just something I think deep down inside of us that is just terrified by that concept. Well, I think you touch on something that's so interesting with Victoria and it's been mentioned in a lot of stories um, on the lift 
right different writers will allude to it is like she knows more than a child should know right and that's very unsettling and i think there's something that is so hard as an adult to process about that like i always think back to the interview with the vampire movie that i snuck and watched when i wasn't supposed to when i was a kid (laughs) and that scene where kirsten dunst is like nine and looks like an angel and she cuts all her hair off Mm-hmm. She wants to look different. She wants to not look like a child anymore. And she cuts all her hair off, like at the root and it all grows back. And she screams cause she's just so angry. She's trapped in this child's body, but has had all this life experience. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just like creepy and weird and it gets all over me. Uh, that's scary. Yeah. It's but, that, it's that uncanny Valley thing. It's, it's just, it's really yeah, yes. strange. And it, it definitely. does definitely tears, you know, it tears into something deep in us that, you know, we expect we're supposed to protect the children. So yeah. our defenses are down with them, I think, most of the time, because you don't expect them to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we yeah. And we talk about that in that episode, different childhood killers that you would just not expect, like sweet little girls that like go Mary Bell. Yeah, they mm-hmm. go and kill other sweet little innocent children and leave these creepy messages and we murder so that we may come back i mean what nine-year-old can come up with this yeah and she's (laughs) still out there she was released from prison she's been like put in some kind of witness protection and no one knows where she is or who she is but she has grandchildren and seems to be doing well so right yeah our most recent episode is we have slender man and the slender man stabbings with the two girls that stabbed their friend um, because they're supposedly obsessed with Slender Man. Mm-hmm. It's just another just really creepy kind of aspect of what children are capable of that you would never expect. Well, that was fun because when I started talking about um, the Slender Man murders, I was like, okay, so there are these three girls and it's like one of them's 13th birthday and they're all getting together for a slumber party and they go to Skateland and then they come home and he's like, are you making this up? I was like, no, that's actually like literally what happened. <laughs> Like that's actually in the newspaper. Honest to God, they went to Skateland and had a slumber party, and they tried to murder their friend. Like it sounds so made up, but it actually it sounds like yeah, it sounds like creepy pasta all by itself. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. And you know what's really interesting about that story is that you know the the entity that they're talking about is a made up entity. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. comes yeah. from as you said, creepy pasta. But, you know, it, it's always something that I wonder about is that when you're when you're creating these characters and you're bringing forth these things, I mean, we talk about tulpas and, you know, thought forms and making things real by putting so much energy into them is what do we bring forth when we bring forth these characters and uh, create these legends? Is there something right. more to it than than just, you know, our desire to believe? Is it something that we're actually pulling from the ether? Well, that's the great thing we love about urban legends is that it's not one guy that writes it it's oral history it is written sometimes but there's so many contributors so you are getting that energy you're getting that you know those ideas from everybody and it really doesn't encapsulate the cult culture because you have so many people and like the guy that invented slender man there's a great quote from saying that he was trying to create cooperative folklore Mm mm-hmm and it's what he did. <laughs> right. He succeeded. <laughs> and there's a movie coming out soon. Yeah. Like it right? was an option for a movie. Like, I mean, I saw that like two days ago. <laughs> like, so this is recent news. Yeah. I did not hear about that. 
I mean, super recent news. I doubt they have anything. You know, it's very, very pre-production. But it's interesting. It's even getting that high. Everyone God, I want about. Doug Jones to play him. Can we just? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <be> All right. <laughs> I digress. So how much research goes into every episode? Do you, I mean, do you guys start pretty early for that? And, and you know, do you work ahead towards an episode? Well, like, we, we try to bank a few episodes at a time. Yeah. Um, I... We literally will finish recording and we'll look at each other and be like, okay, so what do we want to do next? <laughs> but a, lot, a lot of research. I mean, we put a lot of research. Like everyone that comments, I was like, wow, this is so well researched. Like we probably spend way too much time on this. We, like if we hired a research assistant, they'd be like, you don't pay me enough to do this. Like I, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's because we like to and because we're naturally curious people mm-hmm. um, that this works um if it's also fun and i think we're able to do it to the level that we do we probably spend like 12 hours at least well no more because a lot of times sam will um same work sam's a a graphic artist and so she listens to books while she's working so sam's read at least one or two books by the time we are doing an episode and then i do a lot of research into like if it's psych stuff or science stuff, I'll go and read the papers on it. I'll be like, can you um, use your, your journal access and find out more about X? And I'll like <laughs> give him the name of some obscure psychiatrist I've run across or whatever. And he'll, he can go and actually access medical journals, um, which is nice. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know how many hours of research we do for ep- each episode a lot. Um, one, one thing we love doing is just making interesting connections yeah. to things. And like, so we did one on, um, you know, we wanted to tell red salmon red, um, starvation heights, which is about Linda hazard. And, um, and she ran this really weird hospital coming thing where she starved people as a cure for things everything it cured everything you'd be amazed and we you know we've we've read through uh jan von braun's encyclopedia of urban legends like a thousand times and read through a ton of websites about just lists of urban legends and one thing you see frequently is like diets Mm -hmm. like just weird diets and we're like well we can incorporate that and we did that and kellogg and then talked about like anorexia and bulimia and and like pro anna websites and um kind of the modern culture that's grown up around those with young girls and it 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 went some really interesting places and it was another one of those legends that's like oh the dolly parton diet that's an idiotic thing i don't want to talk about that for an hour but we never do you know like it's it's just a jumping off point to kind of make other connections um so yeah a lot of research and i think that like i said we're able to do that because we get to change gears completely every week we know we try to really never do two back-to-back that are too similar like we we kind of have different categories like unofficial categories we're like have we done a murdery murder in a while because i feel like the last murder (laughs) we did wasn't like a murdery murder and so we'll do that and then we might have like a a true classic urban legend that we try to do and one that's like more about psych and more about like culture, um, and sociology. And like, like scary, like a, a yeah. really scary like story. paranormal. We try one. to do some of that sometimes so too. Kind of loosely alternate between those and try to decide just to get a really good mix. Yeah, and it's nice. a completely different flavor every week. Yeah, that's the really cool thing about what you're doing is it lends itself to a lot of different varieties. So, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Lizzie, or I'm sorry, Lizzie, Linda Hazard, 
Um, <laughs> unlike unlike her diet plan, which consisted basically of oranges and tomatoes, uh, mm-hmm. you, you have a lot more that you can explore. <laughs> you know, it's not a two note thing, which is really cool. And sometimes we do things that are a little bit of a stretch. Like we just recorded an episode we're really excited about. um, And it's the gay mafia, which is, you know, not something that you're going to see on urban legend list, but it's like something that keeps popping up when, when stupid people talk on microphones, they say things about the gay mafia. (laughs) So it's, it's really quite funny. Um, So we were able to take that and go back into like the, the lavender scare and um, you know, the ideas about you know artists controlling gay artists controlling america and all this stuff and and, and, and it is about the stories that were told about those people and how that kind of idea developed about that like well we always like to say what your crazy uncle says yeah <laughs> like the thing that your really <laughs> offensive relative says um, yeah and like so where did those ideas come from why is that the story people keep telling why do people always associating gay with being a sissy boy and it's actually related to like psychological texts from the 50s and 60s like that was actually oh. in the text like that's a direct quote from a an, a, a real psychiatrist who wrote real books and it makes me crazy but um yeah so we we do a lot of different stuff a lot of jumping around now, I'm uh, very curious as to um, what both of your backgrounds are because there's definitely like I can tell just through your conversation that you both uh, seem to really enjoy the research and uh, there seems to be like at least a little bit of a psychology background for both of you. Can you say a little bit more about that? Well, I was an English major. God, cultural I, studies. Yeah, I, um, I majored in writing and culture and I minored in anthropology and linguistics and studied folklore. So that's my my crazy background and now i do i edit and color comics so i I have kind of an all over the place background and then jacob i'm i'm a a pediatrician he's a pediatrician (laughs) (laughs) but so i do a lot of you know background in science and psychology and i've done research and stuff like that so that's okay that's really cool yeah so so you're you've done your studies in folklore which is really cool i actually uh was it two seasons ago? I had the uh, the privilege of interviewing some some storytellers that were really versed in folklore and had done their doctorates and, and that type of thing. And it was uh, really eye opening to see kind of how these ideas and these these ways of sharing information have changed, but still stay the same as we you know move forward in time. Yeah, I think of some of the texts you read in school where it was like an entire book of Cinderella stories. Mm-hmm. That was fabulous. Like, yeah, we ju- we spent a semester looking at just Cinderella from the Iberian Peninsula specifically. Like it didn't it didn't even go further than that. You know, like it just it just took that story and looked at different versions of it and like different tellings, which is great because they try to preserve like little verbal ticks and stuff when they're actually collecting stories for study. Mm-hmm. And so you have like this really foul mouthed old woman telling the Cinderella story. <laughs> and um, like in one version of Cinderella in Spain, she dresses as a pelican to approach the prince. And I don't know why that is. I really wish I did. My, <laughs> I cannot remember for the life of me what the pelican was about. I just know it happened. And I remember my professor, who's this like adorable little Cuban woman, like standing up at the front reading from the book going, 
Pelican, why are you shitting on the floor? Pelican, Pelican, why are you shitting on the floor? And it's like, in this, I mean, it's just, that is my degree. That's pretty much like what I got to do. That that moment was worth all of it. So, yes, I quite enjoyed in my studies in folklore and the Pelican shits on the floor in Cinderella somewhere in Spain. That's awesome. <laughs> so, That's amazing. I was at the uh, the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee last year, and uh, one of the tellers by the name of Adam Booth told a story called Ashton, uh, which is based in Appalachia. He used a lot of he's from West Virginia, so he used a lot of the Appalachian culture and memes and things like that to, you know, kind of pour into the story. But it's essentially a retelling of Cinderella and it was done really, really mm-hmm. well. People who really work at assembling new and relatable versions of those really old tales do something amazing. Um, It takes a lot of work to pull the essential elements out and find kind of the cultural analog that fits for everything. Cause you can't have a castle in Appalachia, right? You know, like what are you going to put there? And I, I, I think that's really interesting and very creative work, but it fits so much with the idea of folklore. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that that it is this ever growing, ever changing. It fits with your current, you know, sociological area that you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many versions of these stories, and we reinvent them constantly as we move forward. But there's some of these elements that are are true and tried and stay the same. Um, another storyteller that was uh, a presenter there, but I had a chance to listen to her tell uh, here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Lynn Ford is also from the Appalachian region. And she told a story about being a, a child going to school and the teacher would tell, I don't remember what the story was. It may have been uh little red riding hood or Cinderella or something that the teacher told. And she gets to the end of the story and, uh, Lynn, as a child, is there, and she's like, you know what? That's not the way the story goes. This is the way it goes, because this is the way my grandpap told it. Uh, but I, I thought that's really interesting, because it just really speaks to you know how things change and how we put our own little twist on things as, as stories go along. And we may only hear those stories told, you know, from our grandpap or whatever, but they become ours. Yeah. You know, like she felt ownership over that. And that's what makes stories so great is we internalize them and they really become part of the stories we tell ourselves, which form our identity. Absolutely. So what do you guys have planned for the, uh, for the future and upcoming episodes? You said you work a little bit ahead. What can we look forward to? Well, we have the second installment of creepy pasta coming out. I think tomorrow we're going to post that. It was our 25th episode extravaganza we talked for a really long time and drank a lot of wine super fun um, yeah i always worry about the like, the cohesiveness of things by the time we get to the hour because we usually drink like a bottle of wine by the time we're done. yeah and like when we went over an hour i was like i hope that last part makes sense because it was like the closing we really wanted to like bring the point home i was like god oh i hope we did that we've never Shouldn't done that, that on ninth story yeah, <laughs> uh, we have lavender scare. We're gonna do. Uh, oh, we're gonna do the old hag soon. Yeah, sleep paralysis. Ah, awesome. And um, we're also planning one on camp, uh, campfire stories and stories about summer camp and things like that. And we're gonna talk about <sighs> murdery murder in that episode. So I'm excited. That's um, really cool. I, I like the murdery murder episodes. Jacob doesn't get us into murdery murder. Um, <laughs> He's like, you just creep your little true crime self over there and let me know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, you do the murder, murder. That's yeah. how I'm there. <laughs> um, and then we 
are also wrapping up Audio Dime Museum, which is our other show. We're getting ready to put out the season finale of that. So that is what I am working on right now. I have to write it, <laughs> which is always the hardest part. I can research forever. <laughs> Uh, but actually sitting down and composing is very difficult. Yeah. And that's more of our like true, like a true like storytelling podcast. We, we have a frame story, uh, almost like, you know, in a similar way to how you have Veronica. Victoria, no, Victoria, sorry, Victoria, uh, Victoria. He still gets my name wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> I call the kids by the dog's name. Yeah, that happens. Um, if she's offended, and Victoria will ma- visit you this evening and tap you on the shoulder and let you know that you I messed have, up. I have a feeling next time in an elevator, I'm going <laughs> to see her with a little music right. box. <laughs> like, wait a minute. There's only four stories in this building. What do you mean we're going to eight? <clears throat> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I, yeah. And um, so that's our storytelling podcast. But we actually we have that frame story. And then while they are you know, written by Sam, vast majority written by Sam, they are historical stories to, um, that take a true real life events and characters and tell them in kind of an interesting way again, to go with that theme of, you know, what do these things say about us? What does it say about, you know, the people, the society we live in, the people we're around. Yeah. So our last installment of that is coming up and then I think we're going, I think we're going to do a season two. So, nice. uh, but we're gonna we're gonna be out of the Dime Museum. That's See, really cool. See, now I did not know about the other podcast. Yeah, check it out. I mean, if, I think you'll like it if you like this different storytelling stuff. We've had we've had so much growth, so many listeners, and so we'll probably do another volume, and we'll that'll be in a few months. But the whole first season will be up probably by the time this is up. Yeah, I'm reading through the uh, the description in iTunes. Uh, let's see, merging the suspenseful style of mystery with the conventions of ghost stories. Uh, so there's going to be a there is a strong horror bent to this. I'm assuming there's always kind of a people always say they get goosebumps. When yeah, they it's, hear it's it. got a real creep factor, but there are mostly true stories, and if they're not stories, they're legends like that are very much associated with particular places or things. Um, the first episode is like a Civil War story. Um, second is a is about Leopold and Loeb, uh, so that's nineteen twenties Chicago, and murder story, a murdery murder. I needed one. And then, <laughs> then we do have a real good ghost story from Louisiana. It's yeah, we're both one. from Louisiana originally, and I think that's where a lot of our fascination with storytelling comes from because people mm-hmm. don't talk there; they tell stories. Even if they're telling you about going to the grocery store, it's an epic. Um, it just, it starts and it's like, it's never just like, and I did this. It's like, you will not believe what happened to me. Yeah. (laughs) We're sitting around, we're sitting around drinking, telling stories, a big part of the culture we grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, so, and I always had that kind of that feeling for that region that that would be something that would be very prevalent in that, in that culture. It, it absolutely is. Um, I mean, I, I, don't know how they would get through the day if they were limited to one sentence communication. <laughs> no, no. Like, I, I can't imagine it. Also, if you tie their hands behind their back, they would not be able to speak. So, <laughs> yeah, I will have kids in my clinic like like laugh about me talking with my hands. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's so- just like the Italian culture too. It's like it, yes. nothing is a nothing's a one word answer that doesn't exist. It's a very long dramatic 
<laughs> yeah, I think though. the French and Italians <laughs> like have a lot of similarities. Food, yeah, conversation, music. Talking with your hands. It's, yeah. They're all basically the same people. <laughs> yeah, really. It's, it's the Roman yeah. Empire disseminated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I fell in love with my in-laws was when Easter, I think we were at Mom Jay's, his grandmother's house, and they started talking. They noticed this Mary statue that she had sitting around because every every woman in South Louisiana has a couple Mary statues sitting around. Right. And um, they're like, oh, my God, Mom Jay, you still have that. And apparently they like all of her children, all of Jacob's aunts and uncles got drunk on prom night and ran over this Virgin Mary statue on their way home. And so their natural like response was to take it Mm -hmm. and bury it in the backyard. And like one day somebody accidentally said something about mom Jay about it in front of mom Jay after they'd moved. And she like went back to their old house and dug up the Virgin Mary statue and pieced it back together. And now it's sitting on their back porch all (laughs) back together. And I just loved that so much. I loved all of the steps of that. I thought it was so funny and so fabulous. And I was like, okay, I can, I can deal with these people. They're great. That's tremendous. (laughs) Love that. Jeanette, I know you had a bag of questions. Why don't you go ahead with some of yours? Oh. Uh, we kind of, we touched on some of them. Okay. I was curious about uh, the origin of your podcast specifically. How did you guys first get into this? We've been joking that like, we should just record this shit for years. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like, when we're talking to each other, we're like, this, this is. Because we would have these conversations, like one of us would read a book, or we'd see a news article or something, and we'd sit around, drink wine, and talk for an hour after the kids go to bed about this stuff. And yeah, I was like running one day, and I was like, came home, and I was like, oh my god, we should do a podcast. So we literally <laughs> sat down with uh, the 2004 MacBook, yes, and our like <laughs> iPhone earbuds, and like free software and recorded the first couple of episodes and we were like, no, it's fun. We should keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. We got a great response and then just maybe updated our software and our um, technology and it's just grown ever since. And we love doing it. Can't imagine not. No, it's like, it's what we talk about a lot of the time, but I mean like we would sit down and download after Mad Men for like two hours, you know, every episode we just talk about it. And so we've always kind of, talked about text whether mm-hmm. we meant to or not and um it, and, and i've always been interested in folklore even though i didn't go into like studying it i you know i read all of uh jan von braun's books on urban legends when i was a kid when i was like in middle school and i read the foxfire books which are books about folktales in appalachia uh, if you're interested it's great lots of that primary source material um there's a great one that was published in the 80s that's a similar one um in louisiana called gumbo yaya is that robert i can't no uh, i don't think robert johnson no is it robert i don't no, think he wrote it uh, robert talent robert, so yeah. robert talent wrote a great book on voodoo folklore which i also read but um gumbo yaya is a great book about louisiana folklore doing this primary sources again going straight to your old grandma and collecting it in that you know, Cajun French pigeon English dialect. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so entertaining if you're interested in stuff like that. Well, that sounds really we, cool. We have a five year old, and because I'm his mom, he has the, I can never remember the guy's name. Help me. 
Mm-hmm. Richard that wrote scary stories, Stall in the Dark. I can't remember his name. Alvin Schwartz. Alvin Schwartz. I always want to call him Richard, which is probably why I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, but Alvin Schwartz, like those books, um, they're with the new illustrations, but I went and bought all of them and we've read them all like 10 times each now. And those are all based on and, old folklore, which I didn't know as a kid, but yeah. they're all based on urban legends and old folklore. Um, and I thought it was, there's a documentary it's supposed to come out next year and you can watch the like extended trailer for it talking about how banned it was, you know, when we were kids mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. but it was also the most popular book at the, in the school libraries. Kids wanted to read this. They had a thirst for these legends, these modern urban legends and folklore. Um, but people were worried because they really were very, you know, they're kind of scary. The pictures were extremely No, it was disturbing. the pictures. That was banned because yeah. of the pictures. I don't believe anything else you tell me. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely the pictures. They were so Those were so creepy. <laughs> Although Harold, like I was, I was reading to my son and um, the one about the scarecrow that like kills the guy mm-hmm. and lays his skin on the roof. Um, I changed the ending very quickly mid story because it was like, Oh God. And like, that's really (laughs) scary. (laughs) That was uh, scary stories three. Wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Cause I I remember there was one of them that had a cover with a scarecrow on it. Mm. And so see all that, all those illustrations are changed now. It makes me so sad. Yeah. Or a (laughs) witch or something appropriate for a five year old. (laughs) Yeah, they do. But Yeah. I know, those I'm, those I'm, illustrations were just like the most disturbing <laughs> memories of most of our childhoods. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, for sure, absolutely. It's sad, missed out on them now. So, Jeanette, is that how you got into uh, into into the, doing the horror drawings? It was definitely a factor for yeah. sure. I loved those books. I read the crap out of them. (laughs) Me too. Those illustrations are amazing. I was looking at, I will go sometimes and just Google them and just look at them Mm -hmm. because they're still pretty. These are black and white watercolor, these surreal, disturbing images. If you do not know what we're talking about, go Google it. Yeah. We'll have to put at least we'll have to put at least one of the illustrations in the show notes just so that people can get a, a, a taste of it. Yeah, definitely. Good luck picking one because they're at least <laughs> they're just amazing. Like I could think of they like really ten. But, uh. It's good stuff. I, I think we touched on this also, but for each episode, do you find that your research method changes for each topic, or do you tend to like Sam? I know you were listening to the books, and uh, but how does how do you approach each episode with your research? Um. It it does change depending oh, on topic. Fine. Like it it depends on if we know we're kind of cobbling a lot of different ideas together. We can't. We'll sometimes segment it. Like I'll be like, okay, so I'm going to cover. Like we'll make a loose outline, and I'm like, okay, so these are the points I want to hit, and I'll take the, you know, history, and I'll take the, you know social implications and you'll do psych and medical and we kind of look at that and we'll segment it that way and then sometimes it's just a big flowy topic and we're going to talk about it for an hour and we'll both like i'll be like i I actually did like this book i read you should listen to it or um you know we kind of pass the same sources back and forth with audio dime i do a lot more primary source research (laughs) and i'm on like newspaper archives and pulling up books from you know, one of the books I read was from like 1820 or late 
1700s, I just read a full text description of a shipwreck and that kind of stuff. So that has a different flavor. Um, we watch documentaries sometimes. We watch the movies we talk about. We watch. Uh, we do try to go to the primary sources. So, like when we did Psycho, we watched all the news reels from that time about it. And we watched the uh, original Hitchcock promotions that he did for it. Um, already, I like reading books, reading journal articles, news articles. Uh, we pull from. I mean, we have tons of sources for each episode we really should put up sources we should list our sources <laughs> we should do that <laughs> i'm definitely interested in like what are your favorite you just became a robot jeanette i know it's kind of amazing <laughs> oh, I thought it was, yeah, I was kind of scared. For a yeah. <laughs> Victoria showed up. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought she was coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> she really doesn't like that you messed up her name. That's right. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> before I turned into a robot, um, let me put my skin mask back on. What are your favorite places to find sources? What are your favorite sources to go to? Google Books is an awesome resource. Yeah, we, we've, we highly patronize Google books um, because it's free. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, they have all those primary sources. Like they have a few hundred year old articles about things. And yeah. we, and they also have like um, Alan Dundee's is this Freudian folklorist that we love to cite. Cause he has these crazy ideas about things and his books are on there. And Jan von Braun's and other folklore texts are on there. Um, I mean, like, if you want to look up court cases, if you want to pull up news articles. Uh, right, we did, like, Elisa Lamb. Uh, we talked about Elisa Lamb in one episode, and we were able to pull up, like, her coroner's report, and I read through yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Jacob, I, don't, I would be like, what is, what is, and, like, ten syllables, and he's like, just, just give it to me. I know it's hard to murder, <laughs> but just, just give it to me. Um, but yeah, like we, we've been able to access a lot of cool things through there. Mm-hmm. I also use the National Archives a lot. Um, and I subscribe to Audible and use those credits up real, real quick. Um, <laughs> and I don't think there's any, there's not like a much documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. We always, if we could find a good one, like there's a great one on sleep paralysis that, oh yeah, uh, we've we seen watched that, one. that kind of, yeah, that kind of inspired us that we plan on doing that one fairly soon yeah like we said to space out uh space out the creepy episodes yeah so we did a creepy pasta and talked about slenderman so we're probably gonna wait a few weeks a few weeks to do that um but yeah we we pull from all over the place and i think that's one thing that makes it fun is we really do try to track down stuff that feels true to the subject matter so like i'll read a true crime book um you know like one of those paperback throwaways for certain episodes because it's like oh yeah that's where you're gonna find the stuff about edmund kemper or whatever like you know (laughs) we try to fit it to whatever we're researching um and it changes all the time what's the most surprising thing that you've discovered in doing your research maybe something that you believed was true and you found out was was not or vice versa 
It's usually vice versa. Yeah. It's usually things that we're like, oh, urban legend. Yeah, we've heard this since we were kids. I can't. Holy shit. There are real stories. Like, I, sometimes I'll be like reading and I'll just like hit him on the shoulder. I'm like, it happened. It happened. Oh, my God. It happened. Um, Like, I remember the Avon lady episode. Um, I found an incident where there was a guy dressed in a ch- children's Cinderella costume who attacked a woman in a bathroom. And oh I was like, no man goes into a lady's room dressed as a lady to beat up ladies. That's stupid. And then I was like, oh, OK, well, it happened that one time at Big Lots. But, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, those that one time down the there at the Big Lots. It really was at Big Lots. And it really That's was hilarious. a kid's Cinderella costume. Like, it just like I, so a lot of times I'm like this sounds so made up. This sounds so made up. Um, that was definitely one. Uh, oh, the we were researching the hotel episode. Oh yeah, like to find out that mm-hmm. there really are more suicides at hotels, um, and mm-hmm. that people like local people who check into hotels, their risk for suicide goes up something like thirty percent, or um, it, it, I can't remember the statistic, but it's it's insane. That research oh. is crazy because you know they're going away from home so that their loved ones don't have to discover them and clean up the mess. Mm. And since I'm not into murdering murder like you are, every time you find these crazy cases of people that have done these insane things, I'm like. Oh my god! I can't believe that's actually real. I can't believe there really was this killer that was killing people in Lovers Lane. I can't believe there really were. Um, Mary Bell, still, yeah. still crazy. Like the the nine year old English girl that killed the two kids. Um, or like yeah. Ed Kemper, you know, one of these guys that really was picking up hitchhikers and killing them, and so interesting. Yeah, and and insane. Edmund Kemper has some of the best YouTube videos that you will ever see in your life. Like you, if you want to just feel bad about humanity for a whole day, you should go listen to his interviews because they are like you can't look away. It's like a car accident, and he's so intelligent. And it's just like he's this he's this guy. And he's like six nine and weighs three hundred pounds, and you can tell he's just off the charts smart. And he's sitting there talking about like. When I see a cute girl, I don't know if I want to take her on a date or put her head on a stake. Well, I'm like, <laughs> or like, or like in the Psycho episode, I knew about Ed Gein, who's the one of the original the serial killer that he's kind of based on. Um, but I did not know the details, and to see like the pictures of what he did with the the bodies and creating. Um, I mean, he Ed Gein was the um, inspiration for psycho but also uh buffalo bill and like and he actually chainsaw yeah. like he's he's had his day but then he actually fiction. did like create body suits out of people's skin and things like that and just being able to see the images of it online just extremely disturbing Ooh. yeah yeah he was from wisconsin yep, right he was from wisconsin <laughs> day for them yeah. ed Gein and cheese you know they recently <laughs> <laughs> they recently auctioned off some of his stuff. Yeah, Zach uh, Zach Bagans or Baggins or however he says his name from uh, Ghost Hunters, dude, bro. Uh, oh yeah, we know who he is. Yeah, yeah he bought wow. the cauldron that he used to like boil the skulls down in and stuff like that. Yeah, Jacob sent me that text. Like, sent me the news article, like a screen cap, and he's just like, bro. <laughs> people must get bored in the midwest i'll tell you because gacy's from illinois so you know there's like that corridor through there 
Uh, and apparently the Pacific Northwest in California is just, you know, crazy too. Well, we talk about frequently that we, when we were going to college, there was a serial killer in Baton Rouge. Um, Baton Rouge? Red <laughs> Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. serial killer. Um, and what was his name? Derek Todley. Derek Todley. Oh, yeah. So we grew up in our formative years with that constant threat that if you don't look behind your back, this serial killer is going to come and get you. Don't let anybody in. If you see something, say something. Like, it was very much like everyone was on notice because he was he was actively killing students. Um, yeah. He was not like coming into dorms and stuff. It was mainly off-campus housing, but at LSE, very few people lived on campus. Like a lot of people yeah. would, you know, be in little houses or apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that that was scary. We started college. Everyone right. had like tasers and you had a little pink mace bottle on I your did. I did. I never used it. And I don't ever know what happened to it, which you should probably know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we, uh, we had our serial killer experience. Uh, that was super fun. There are a lot of Louisiana <laughs> and Texas. Oh, everything happens in Texas. That's actually true. Uh-uh. Really? There's some things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. A lot of bad stuff. That's, <laughs> Yeah, we haven't talked about the one in Galveston oh, yet in Houston. Yeah. That'll happen one day. That's yeah. a disturbing one. But yeah, and Baton Rouge is one of is the guy that was the um kind of like art distributor for um Gacy. He's the one that like talked to Gacy and would go to the prison and get his artwork and sell it. Oh yeah, all his <laughs> his clown paintings, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He lives in Baton Rouge. Uh he's in the documentary. What's the documentary? Oh, it's by the same guy that did like the. I'm, yeah, I the want H. to H. say, ha- yeah, one. it's like I want to say Howard Hughes, and I know that's not right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the same guy that did like the H.H. H. Holmes documentary. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a pretty good one. It's about uh, like people's obsession with serial killers, serial killer memorabilia, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't collect that. Uh, I'm not that into murdering. Murder. <laughs> but, um, You'll just research it. <laughs> I'll just research it and get. Oh my god. Yeah, it's interesting, but you don't want to surround yourself with it, right? No, and I don't like, I have no desire to like write to someone. Like, that's, I I don't, it does not translate that way. No. For me. I understand completely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fun on paper, but I don't want to actually be connected. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. We're, it's it's fun to, to, to research and to explore the darker side of humanity, but to actually like be participatory is, is a little different. Yeah it's, yeah. it's beyond like, I want some glass between me and the crazy. It's like, I want some <laughs> states between right. me and the crazy. Like if I ever find out anyone's even imprisoned close to where I am, I'm like very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, like the, the Canadian serial killer. They got um, out. You were like, I'm never going to Canada. Yeah. I was like, their, their prison sentences are nothing in Canada. You get 25 years, no matter how many murders you commit. That's a life sentence. And you can't get more than that. And so Jacob will be like, we're, we're moving to Canada over something. And I'm like, nope, not <laughs> going. All, they let their murderers <laughs> roam free. Uh, the guy on the bus is the one that really freaked me out. You know, the guy that like decapitated the other guy on the bus, the Greyhound oh, bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's that's out. right. You're kidding me. Because it's Canada. And apparently that's a thing. What's wrong with you, Canada? Uh, I know. (laughs) He said, oh, you know, it it was a bad thing. He didn't mean it. It's okay. We forgive you. Don't do it again. 
<laughs> and that's not a Canadian accent, but you know, that's more sure. like it's very Fargo. I was, I liked it. <laughs> it was very Fargo. <laughs> that's, that's what my, uh, my family in, uh, Coopersville, Michigan sounds like. <laughs> hey, family, if you can hear me. <laughs> my family sounds like swamp people. So. They do. <laughs> that's actually true. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, like when I was, when I saw swamp people and I'd been away from, that family, that side of the family for a long time, I like got homesick and wanted to get visit. Yeah. <laughs> um, my tremendous. family is like more East Texas. We're in Louisiana, but we sound like East Texas and have thick Southern accents. And when I go home, my husband picks on me relentlessly when I get back because I say oh, things yeah. that sound like they are made up from hee haw. <laughs> <laughs> you start to slip back into the accent then oh so badly yeah that's I, I do the same thing i slip into accents like no one's business like when we talk to mark from across the pond i have a hard time not just going british on him because <laughs> I just i don't know why but accents just slip into my head and then i get stuck in them but you lived in scotland not england i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I can also do that one. Yeah. It's no <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of get stuck in it, but that's a little bit more Irish rather than Scottish. I can't quite do Scottish. No, that's very know. Irish. <laughs> wow. That's very Irish. I've got a very great good. Georgian accent because that's where I grew up, where I uh, learned to speak rather. Um, but now, now I can't pull it out. Hang on. You become self-conscious, know. huh? <laughs> just some sort of a well, southern bell. There you go. <laughs> it sort of slips in there. Just it's say not, bless uh, your heart and it all comes back whether you want to do or not. Um, <laughs> when I went home the last time, my mom said something. She's like, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, they've got themselves a wood colt. And I was like, what in God's name are you talking about? Like, And she's like, a wood colt. A wood and cult. Like, mother, I don't know what you mean. You're gonna and she's like, you know, when they don't know who the daddy is. And I'm like, how is that a thing? Like you've been hiding this from me for years. I grew up here. I feel like I should know. I feel like you just made that up to be weird and freak me out now that I live in a city. Like I, I don't think that's a thing. But she does stuff like that all the time. Well, no, the other day when I was at your house and your mom actually said that family over yonder. Yeah. And I literally died laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes in the house the other day and hears me going, Mama, how is Miss Lily May? And just dies. Like, he's like, Samantha, <laughs> you can't say that without an that accent. Family over yonder. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is Miss Lily May. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. We, we have a rich variation of accents in this country. It's so much fun. It is a lot of fun. So, Jenna, I think your last question, I'm looking at our show notes, is what was the most, I'm going to ask it because I'm looking at it. What is the most disturbing urban legend you've ever researched? That's a great one. Oh, I, the lavender scare we just researched. I actually found that quite disturbing, but in a very different way. Um, it was amazing how actively people in positions of power were working against, you know, um, lesbian and gay uh, people during the 1950s and 60s, like just the amount of agency and forethought that went into actively damaging their quality of life was very upsetting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, well, you know, how we can devolve into these, I don't know, petty and very disturbing 
campaigns against people just because they're different. Yes. Yeah. And something that we went to some... Oops, sorry. It's thundering. Thunderstorm. Perfect. <laughs> um, and so one of the really disturbing ones, the early one we did was Meet is Murder, which is a story. We, you know, we, took the, we didn't take it from it, but the story is in Scary Stories Tell in the Dark about the guy that mm-hmm. turns his wife into sausage. And that was interesting because it was true. Yeah. Oh and then we started delving into different kind of cannibalistic people that had eaten other people and other times where um, that we actually even found um, a Russian um was he like a meat a kebab distributor? Well, homeless people had killed some people and sold the meat to a kebab distributor yeah. in Russia. Oh, and wow. And he served it. And he served it. So people had gone up and bought kebabs, as you would do on the street in New York or whatever, yeah. and eaten them. And it turned out that those were human flesh. That's the best sausage I ever had. Can I have some more of that, please? That's yeah. just so good. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, yeah, <laughs> Sweeney Todd is real. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> careful what you buy folks that's right it might be people <laughs> it's soylent green and you didn't even know it exactly i think i said soylent green like 10 times on the episode i think jacob put it all out like it would not stop <laughs> soylent green is people i love the twilight zone rod serling is my boyfriend oh, yeah. so, <laughs> it's his own movie. i know but right. he didn't rod serling i don't know i don't right? think so it? He wrote Planet of the Apes. Okay, and Charles Huston was in both. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I amalgamated. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> I just played Nine Degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever by myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is probably a good place for me to give you guys an opportunity to talk about uh, your where folks can find and interact with you and um, where we can subscribe to the podcasts, plural. Okay, so um, we have Audio Dime Museum, which is a serialized storytelling podcast um, that functions around historical stories and kind of takes motifs from mystery and horror genres. Um, and it's sorry, we're getting thunder. Oh, see, you can't, <laughs> time, you can't <laughs> buy that kind of atmosphere. Seriously, <laughs> um, it was a dark and stormy night. Yes. Um, Oh, and there's a frame story featuring a character called the curator. Um, and the other character in the story is you, which has led to some who's on first debates, but um, <laughs> it's just you and the curator. And um, that is an ongoing story every week. And then each week we take an artifact from the dime museum and discuss the history and tell the story. Um, and we're wrapping that. We're about to finish up season one. And you can find that on iTunes um, at Audio Dime Museum. And we're, yeah, we're currently like number one for new and noteworthy on um, the performing arts section. We finally overtook the Hamilton podcast. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Screw you, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> we went all Aaron Burr up in there. Okay. Aaron Burr. Uh, that's terrible right and our other uh, pod- our, our original podcast and it's a weekly podcast is just a story the urban legend podcast and you search just a story um we're history folktale urban legend podcast where we discuss 
all of the different things, like we said, you know, taking these urban legends and having them as jumping off points to look into our society and humanity and psychology and science and anything else we can fit into an hour long episode. Right. And so you can get us on Twitter at just a story pod. You can email us at just a story pod at Gmail, or you could send a carrier pigeon. And we would accept that. Awesome. So I guess I'll ask you one final question. What advice do you have for listeners out there that hear your show and are inspired to try to create something of their own in in the same genre? Don't be afraid to follow rabbits. <laughs> like something may seem like a fleeting idea that seems like something that's sort of off topic, but if you pursue it and do just a little more research, it could turn into a unique connection that really sets your analysis or understanding apart. Yeah, I agree. Just follow your passion. You have to be super interested in it and yeah. like we for whatever <clears throat> reason are. And um, you know, that's something that's gonna lead to a great product if you care about it. Yeah, I think that's that's really a big part of it for, you know, to not to be afraid to explore different directions and to go in different directions and and to make sure that what you're putting out there is something that you're passionate about, because podcasting and, and storytelling in general is is not easy work, regardless of what form you choose to tell your story. in. Um, so if you're not inspired and, and you're doing it just because you want to try to get listeners or followers or make money it's it's not going to sustain you in the long haul it needs to be something that you really would do without being paid yeah mm-hmm. we've had people in it because we have just we have the numbers to where we could make it a profitable venture and that may happen in the future but that's not our that's so the bottom of our priority list yeah yeah people are just mm-hmm. constantly like i can't believe you're not doing this and doing that and we're like we're focusing on the show right now and we just, it's a hobby. Yeah. And we just really enjoy doing it. And it's much cheaper than marriage counseling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We, all we need is a microphone and wine and we, we will be okay. Um, and like we have re-recorded episodes, we've trashed ideas and we're deep into research. Like if they're just not coming together, we can't find the right angle. We're not excited about it. We'll drop it. Um, and I think that that's something we hold ourselves to a standard that is important to me personally. Like, I don't want to put something out that people can tell we're not invested in or we didn't we didn't love, you know? Right. Absolutely. That's that's hugely, hugely yeah. important. That's why you guys are doing so great and why you're being so successful. You I mean, you have the, you have the right philosophy about this. It's something mm-hmm. to, to enjoy and to, to, to try to bring joy to your lives and pass that along to others. I mean, if it's something that you enjoy, you're going to find your audience and you obviously have. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. We even, we really do love doing it. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking so much time on a dark and stormy night to sit down and talk about <laughs> stories and storytelling and serial killers and all kinds of fun stuff. Isn't it fun? Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for asking us. We yeah, really enjoyed it.
you're still here. Well, then you're the people I want to talk to. So recently, we made the decision to go ahead and open up a Patreon account, which you can find over at patreon.com forward slash ninth story. And those who aren't familiar with Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash ninth story. And what Patreon is, is back in the old days, as I'm sure most of you know, artists had patrons. They would sponsor their work and make sure that they had the money in order to do the work. So we create the Lift and the Wicked Library and also the show, the Ninth Story podcast. If you've listened to this show in a couple episodes the creators of different podcasts have talked about the fact that we create a lot of content for free. We put it out there because it's something that we love and we love to do, but we're not doing ourselves any favors as artists by giving our work away constantly for free. It makes it a lot easier and rewarding to do something when you have the proper equipment and the money in order to make that happen and to make it something that you're proud of. And there's lots of different things that We want to do with the lift and the wicked library that are going to take money to do. So we figured it's about time that we reach out to you, the listeners, and say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to be a part of the show's growth. Here's an opportunity for you to be a part of sustaining it and making it something special to say, hey, I'm a part of making that happen. So we'd love to have your support for the stuff that we make. It's content that I'm pretty proud of. I think that a lot of love and a lot of effort and more time than even I believe sometimes goes into making it. And the whole goal of it is to make it sound easy, to make it sound like it's easy to do. Uh, But I can tell you as the one doing a lot of the work, it's not easy to do. Uh, It's not easy to put something out there with that much quality on a consistent basis that I am proud of doing and proud to put my name next to two shows that I care a lot about and two characters that I care a lot about is unreal. As I know Victoria is, she's very real to me and I would be doing her a disservice if I didn't make sure that my all went into it. And in order to make that happen, sometimes we have to upgrade equipment Uh, We do have to pay for hosting. I'd love to pay the writers, the composers, and the artists something for their work because right now they're all doing it for free uh, because there is no budget. And um, aside from, you know, the money that we put into the show ourselves to pay for hosting and equipment and so on. So this is your opportunity to help us out. This is your opportunity to be a part of something really cool. So hopefully some of you will head on over to patreon.com forward slash ninth story sign up. There's some really cool, I think, rewards there. And if there's something that you want, if you have an idea for a reward that you don't see there, send me an email at feedback at ninthstory.com. And we'll be happy to take a look at making some other cool stuff that you guys can get as rewards for being a part of making the show as good as it can be. I thank you. Victoria thanks you. The librarian thanks you. Looking forward to a lot more great content and making things even more special with your help. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Ninth Story Podcast, Prog Watch. 
Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Bump, Listen, The M Writing Podcast, Society 13, Rebuilding Society, One Podcast at a Time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.